co-reporter Callan and I started reporting this story, it was based on one of those hunches you really hope isn't true. One of those stories where if you were wrong, it meant people were doing their jobs well. But if you were right, it meant Evanston officials were neglecting residents and they were paying the price. So we started with an inkling, then did some analysis, and more analysis, and more analysis. And with every map and graph and Excel spreadsheet, we came back to the same problem. Left untested, lead and water can have damaging and long-lasting health effects. Like every American city with a public water system, Evanston is required by the federal lead and copper rule to routinely report the lead levels in its water to the Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA. Within the past two decades, Evanston collected more than 180 water samples for residents' homes to test for lead contamination. Yet in that time, the city only tested Evanston's historically black fifth ward twice. Whichever way we sliced it, it boiled down to one conclusion. Evanston has barely tested the waters of its communities of color. With revisions underway for the lead and copper rule, there are no plans to change the flawed sampling procedure on a federal level. The rule's poor regulation of sampling leaves low income and communities of color in the dark about what's in their water. From the Daily Northwestern, I'm Hina Shavastava. And I'm Callum Luciano. This is Lead On. After our investigation, Fifth Ward Alderman Robin Rue Simmons pushed for a representative sample pool in the 2020 testing period, leading to six more samples from the Fifth Ward. She is now pushing for a resolution to mandate equitable water testing. But let's rewind and figure out how we got here. This would not be the first time the Fifth Ward has been neglected. Early 20th century redlining segregated Black residents and zoned the ward to disincentivize economic growth. The ward is also home to Evanston's only waste transfer station, which disproportionately harms Black residents with poorer air quality. Educational, environmental, and health disparities persist to this day, and undersampling and lead water testing only adds to the Fifth Ward's long history of disadvantages. Prior to the 2020 testing period, 60% of all water samples had come from the historically white and wealthier 6th and 7th wards. Meanwhile, The Fifth Ward made up 10.4% of the city's population in 2010, but only 1.8% of the sampling pool. Our research started with collecting decades of lead sampling data. After we plotted the data points and found disparities, we started asking some questions. Here are some of the responses we got. We're in full compliance with the lead and copper rule. There really has not ever been a big concern over lead. I think the city is doing the right thing. And I think people can feel confident that our water is safe from lead. Water wasn't on anybody's mind. In order, we heard from Evanston's Water Production Bureau Chief, Daryl King, Evanston Public Works Agency Director, Dave Stoneback, Evanston resident and water educator, Claire Talon-Ruin, and longtime Fifth Ward resident and environmental activist, Janet Alexander-Davis. And they're all correct. Evanston residents have not been worried about lead because Evanston is in total compliance with the EPA's lead and copper rule. The city is not breaking any laws. 
But what if the federal rule isn't enough? What if it leaves room for inequalities to fester? And what if Evanston officials aren't paying attention? So you need to get water that's been setting for a long time in somebody's house or setting a long time in a pipe to see how much lead might be leaching into it. It's really tough to do that in an apartment building. That was Tom Neltner, the Chemicals Policy Director of the Environmental Defense Fund. He was appointed to the EPA-created Lead and Copper Rule Working Group in 2014. Neltner helped coordinate and manage a lead line replacement webinar with Evanston's Water Department early last year. You got to tell everybody, don't flush the toilet tonight, don't drink water tonight, and then you come in and take a sample first thing in the morning. So the sampling is biased towards single-family homes so that you get a proper sample, one where the water truly has been setting in the pipes overnight. Single-family homes. That term is something that's going to come up a lot. It's just as it sounds. These are houses with one family living in it. The lead and copper rule, or LCR, requires cities to collect samples from, quote, tier one sites, end quote. Tier one sites are single-family homes that have plumbing systems with lead piping. As Neltner explained, targeting these sites makes it easier for all samples to come from still water. Single-family residences in an area like Evanston are also more likely to be in the wealthier parts of the community. So if you're targeting as Tier 1 single-family residences, you're just initially selecting what could be the wealthier areas. Nancy Loeb, the director of the Pritzker School of Law's Environmental Advocacy Center, takes issue with this requirement. I don't know. I find it troubling because many low-income people actually live in multi-unit rentals where the landlords don't have an incentive to spend money to protect people. That distinction may make it less likely that you're going to capture where there's likely to be lead pipes. And I, I would actually require inclusion of those areas. That is the first drop in the bucket with how the LCR causes disparities in testing. The EPA's requirements make it easier for cities to test wealthier households more. But what is Evanston supposed to do? Science calls for them to only test still water, and still water is easier to access in single-family homes. The bias against the Fifth Ward then might be justifiable, except you can find single-family homes in every ward in Evanston. But let's go back to that other requirement Neltner mentioned. The water has to set overnight, or for at least six hours prior to testing, according to EPA requirements. The water needs to sit for a while to determine how much lead is leaching into it. So who you're gonna miss are typically working families, right? Because they're both having to go to work in the morning and being able to tell the kids not to use the water and to remember to take the sample is hard. You might miss younger families because kids make it complicated for all good reasons. And Evanston's Water Production Bureau Chief, Daryl King, has noticed this issue. He said it's hard to get people to opt into testing. Well, most of the time, it it just really comes down to 
access. I mean, you'd be amazed of how difficult it is to get people to participate because the sampling process can be somewhat inconvenient on folks that are participating during that time. So many times you include those properties that are relatively easy to assess and those folks that want to participate in what you saw many times there in certain wards or in, in a couple of the other different wards. To be included in the sample, not only do you have to live in a single family home, but you also have to be willing to turn your water off overnight. That keeps some residents from participating. This is called non-response bias, when certain groups in a sample are simply unable or unwilling to respond. But 5th Ward Alderman Rue Simmons disputes the claim that the 5th Ward is hard to access for testing. I disagree with there being barriers. So there may be lower percentage of homeownership, but there certainly are concerned families that live in the 5th Ward. That is an excuse that I would not tolerate going forward. So we had this data that showed a disparity, but we wanted to dig into the numbers more. We approached statistics professor Bruce Spencer. He looked at our findings and said Evanston is using a cluster sampling method to test lead levels. That means sample sites are sorted into groups, in this case, wards and streets. Then, the city collects from several sample sites in close proximity to one another. In 2017, over one-third of Evanston's samples were on the same street as two or more other samples. People do cluster samples to save money, so there's less travel here. But it's also usually true, almost always true, that you get less information from the same number of observations in a cluster sample than you do in a non-clustered sample. So the way that the city collects samples, that's the second drop in the bucket. King said it's really difficult to get people in certain areas to stop using their water for six hours. And cluster sampling makes this problem worse. It keeps some people out of testing and leads the city to focus on wards that are more likely to participate. The third and last drop is the lead level limit. Everybody now, if you look at sort of the language around it, will say, oh, we're below the EPA recommended level. Well, no, EPA is not recommending a level. The only thing that's safe is zero. That was Evanston resident Stephen McComb. He ran the website Safe Drinking Water Partners to help city residents replace lead piping. But after it fizzled out, he started advocating for better drinking water regulations. The LCR requires 90% of a city's sample sites to have lead levels below 15 parts per billion. That's the way they measure the concentration of lead in water, by parts per billion. But that number is not health-based, according to Feinberg pediatrician Helen Binns. The lead and copper rule standard was set at that level because it was a doable level for the facilities. No, it's not a health-based standard. No, definitely not. Proposed revisions to the LCR would lower the U.S. standard to 10 parts per billion, similar to European Union standard. Illinois already requires schools and daycares to notify parents when the lead level exceeds 5 parts per billion because of the potential to harm child development. So that was a lot. Let's recap. Why is Evanston testing their wards at unequal rates? Here are our answers so far. Given the single-family homes provision of the federal law and the complicated sampling procedures, some Evanston officials said some wards are just easier to sample than others. On top of all this, the LCR sets the quota for safe lead levels at rates that aren't healthy. 
So Evanston's black residents haven't known what is in their water, and it largely comes down to a few sentences under the sampling procedure section of a federal law. Here's where it gets a bit more complicated. The point of sampling isn't necessarily just testing for lead. This is what Neltner said they're really testing for. It is not to try to assess how much lead is in the water that people are drinking. It is trying to assess the effectiveness of the corrosion control program. The corrosion control program Neltner mentioned refers to the mix of chemicals that treatment plants put in their water. Those chemicals coat lead pipes and make sure no lead gets in the water. That goal of testing the effectiveness of treatment programs dictates how cities sample their water. Cities just want to make sure those chemicals are doing their job. But Evanston water chemist Eleanor Mead told us in April that aim can cause some issues. The problem is, is that the state wants you to historically go to the same sites again and again. So I've been trying to get sites in different areas, like how you said, there's a lot of areas in Ward like 6 and 7. According to the LCR, Evanston has to return to the same sample sites every testing period to make sure the lead levels have not drastically changed. That means they are testing the same sites they chose back in 1992, unless a home has since opted out. Here's how it went down back then. In 1992, the Illinois Environmental Protection Agency gave Evanston a list of eligible houses for lead testing. Houses were eligible if they fit the Tier 1 criteria. That meant single-family structures that, quote, contain copper pipes with lead solder installed after 1982 or contain lead pipes and or are served by a lead service line, end quote. Basically, single-family homes with lead piping. Evanston narrowed down its final sites from that list and were ultimately left with 136 eligible houses. Remember, these were not the houses that responded to requests for a sample. These were simply the ones that were eligible. We don't know how they narrowed down that list to 136 homes. And no current city officials were around back then to tell us. What we do know is that there are 28,000 households and 155 miles of lead pipes in Evanston. Far more houses should have been eligible. But from that list, almost half of the houses were located in the 6th and 7th wards. And only four were located in the 5th ward. The 5th ward made up less than 3% of all eligible homes for testing. For a second, ignore non-response bias. Ignore that six-hour requirement to let your water settle. This isn't about whether or not residents were willing to participate. This is about who Evanston decided to even ask in the first place. And when this all started back in 1992, the city decided to only reach out to four homes in the Fifth Ward. We have homeowners, we have concerned 
property owners and landlords, but more importantly, we have families that need to know if they are vulnerable to unhealthy lead levels in their water. The law itself is not explicitly discriminatory, but water testing in Evanston is done on the basis of convenience, and the ultimate impact is the undersampling of the Fifth Ward. Here's Alderman Ruth Simmons again. Every decision that is made in our city for our businesses, our families, our neighborhoods should be processed with an equity lens. There is a lot of work to do here in Evanston, but if we consider equity in every decision that is made, we will do right by the city and residents in every neighborhood will enjoy the same livability, the same walkability, the same quality of life that the most privileged among us enjoy here in Evanston. On the next episode of Let On. It's really across the lifespan that you have to be worried. There are a lot of associations, studies that have found the effects of lead are concerning. Evanston is in a high-risk area as defined by Department of Public Health because of its old housing stock. So we do have buildings that were built pre-1978 that perhaps contain lead. If they're using federal money, and if that money results in minorities being disproportionately impacted, even if that's not the intention, that actually is a violation of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. We'll be talking about why a diverse sample matters in the first place. Thanks for listening. From the Daily Northwestern, I'm Hina Shavastava. Thanks for listening. This episode was reported and produced by me, Hina Shavastava, and Callan Luciano. The in-focus editors of The Daily are Gabby Bierenbaum and Andrea Bion. The audio editor is Alex Chun. The digital managing editors are Molly Lubers and Jacob O'Hara. The editor-in-chief is Marissa Martinez. Parts of the story were reported prior to the COVID-19 pandemic.